Welcome to the Persons with Lived Experience podcast, inspiring stories for unprecedented times with Dixie and Zona. I I didn't have any, I didn't see any reason to wake up. I didn't see any reason to keep fighting for my life. I didn't see, um, I, I came to a point of suffering where like literally it, the, the best way I could describe it is my my soul was depleted. I I literally would spend nights wandering, wishing for a serial killer, um, yes. trying to fight. You know, should I jump off the should I jump off a bridge? Should I not? No, I swim too good. No, I mean just you know just crazy. I was I was literally literally dying from the inside out. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, This podcast contains content that may be alarming to some listeners. Please check the show notes for more detailed descriptions and take precautions for yourself. Thank you. I'm Zona. I'm a writer, speaker, a person with lived experience of homelessness and human trafficking. I'm a tiny house enthusiast and a serial foodie. And I'm Dixie. I'm all about joy, justice, and fair trade fashion. I'm an anti-trafficking advocate, mom of many, and passionate worshiper. Today, our guest is Lisa Drennan, a survivor of predators of children, domestic violence, and human trafficking. She's a lived experience consultant for the Behavioral Health Department, a certified anti-trafficking and human rights consultant, a peer support specialist in adult addictions, and a certified recovery mentor. She is the chairwoman of Little Sisters Foundation, Inc., a human trafficking and domestic violence, and founder of the Bullier House, Inc., helping women off the ground. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you. Glad so glad here. you're here. Yeah. Uh, so we are really excited to actually get to hear more about your story. I mean, it sounds like you've done so much. Yes. Yes, I've I've been around a while. <laughs> so. Yeah. So. Well, go ahead and and kind of let us know, um, kind of how you you got to be the woman you are today. <laughs> well, that's that we might not have enough time for that, but. Uh, <laughs> I'll try to I'll try to give you the rundown as best I can. Um, I was born and raised here in Portland, Oregon, um, to a middle class family. Um, went to grade school here, middle school, high school. Um, unfortunately for me, uh, the neighborhood that I grew up in was full of pedophiles. Um, from the man next door, or should I say, the boy next door, to the man across the old man across the street, to um, my friends' brothers and their father, um, and same with middle school. It was it was like that in grade school and middle school. So um, very unfortunate that things like that get hidden and kept secret mm-hmm. because um, I wasn't the only child that was impacted by that. Um, my best friend's sister was pregnant by her father in fourth grade. You know things of that nature. I mean, it was you know and and. As a child, you don't, I mean, you know, this is icky, this is wrong, but you don't know what it is or what to do about it. Um, At least I didn't. Right. Um, I didn't tell anybody these things because um, I thought I'd be in trouble Mm -hmm. or I thought, you know, um, 
my father might get in trouble, you know, so, uh, you know, I, I just didn't want to say anything. So that, um, those traumas led into, um, very early drug addiction. Yeah. Um, I was using drugs like marijuana, hallucinogenics, um, cocaine, drinking alcohol, cigarettes by the time I was 14 years old. Um, it also taught me that I could, if I used my body, I could get anything I wanted from anybody. So that led into, um, a lot of very bad behavior. Um, I had children very young. I had my first child at 15 years old. That was actually my second pregnancy. Um, I had two by the time I was 21, I mean, sorry, three by the time I was 21. So... That being said, um, there was no job that was going to pay me enough <laughs> with, without, you know, a, a college degree anyway um, to support mm-hmm. these children. So then I, I began um, sex trafficking. Um, all of the relationships I had were extremely domestic, extremely violent, um, very controlling. Um, I've, I've been beaten into submission. Numerous times I've, I've, um, been raped, um, and left, you know, somewhere, (laughs) um, numerous times I've, um, I've narrowly escaped attempted murders probably 20 times. I, um, yeah, it's been, been a really rough road, (laughs) you know, if it weren't for my higher power, who I choose to call God, if it weren't for him and, and, and the, the prayers of the people that loved me, I would have never made it through. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to think that the evil in the world, um, you know, attacks us when we're young because we're vulnerable and we don't know. We right. we have no clue. Um, and that's also why I'm very, uh, like, overly protective of my children. I mean, they're in their 20s and 30s and, and almost 40 now, you know, so... <laughs> You know, but I'm still, you know, I'm I'm still yeah. hyper hyper vigilant when it comes to you know protecting them from even words, you know, and uh, uh, it's it's funny to me how my trauma comes out nowadays. Now that I'm healing, um, now that I have found recovery, and now that I've have found my why, which is you know um, helping empower women or people. Actually, mm-hmm. it's not just not just women anymore. You know yeah. that that get trafficked. So. Um, empowering people has become my why, um, and the reason I made it through it, I think. So yeah. I've been educating myself with, with the, uh, peer support specialist and the CR, uh, the, uh, recovery mentor training and the human rights and a- anti-trafficking training. Um, because, because I don't have a formal education, um, but I have a, an, an entire lifetime of lived experience. So, yes. um, empowering and educating communities and um, being the example of what can happen if you choose, you know, or if you can find a way out. Not everybody has a choice. Um, not everybody, you know, not everyone chooses to have that life. Some some are abducted, some are, you know, forced into it. So I don't want to be, I don't want to leave any of those people out, but that's, that's the gist of my story. <laughs> so. Sure. Right. So how did you walk through to end up getting out of that process? Um, I had, I had to come to a point where 
I I didn't have any re I didn't see any reason to wake up. I didn't see any reason to keep fighting for my life. I didn't see. Um, I I came to a point of suffering where, like, literally, it the the best way I could describe it is my my soul was depleted. I I literally would spend nights wandering, wishing for a serial killer, um, yes. trying to fight. You know, should I jump off the? Should I jump off a bridge? Should I not? No, I swim too good. No, I mean, just you know, just crazy. I was, I was literally, literally dying from the inside out. You know, um, that's that's when I started getting a lot of nudges um, from from you know, I, I'd have I'd have to say from you know the other side. You know, I mean, I would see signs. I would see you know like. Um, random numbers jump out at me like five 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 three 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 one 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 you know i mean like all of these things you know or or somebody like literally would be dropped out of nowhere like just poof all of a sudden there's someone there to deter me from jumping off a bridge or or someone would just randomly in the middle of the night bring me food and clothes you know because they saw me suffering you know like a couple of days before or something just just random things would um mm-hmm me you know try trying to know hey come over here you know <laughs> don't go over yeah. there come over here you know kind of thing and and i mean that's on it on if i'm going to be honest that's that's really what what pulled me back sure well and i think too it speaks to your strength as well because as we both know a lot of times what we would consider um survivors that are quote unquote rescued you know they've taken brave steps and they've taken you know these almost overwhelming uh choices and gone okay this is what i'm gonna do to stick around this is what i'm gonna do to be brave and to stay here and to keep moving through and um it's not usually that first step it's a series of <laughs> brave steps you know consistently over time that really does walk you out of some of these situations and and oftentimes the choices are not easy no. in order to do that so we're we're so glad that you're here mm-hmm. and yeah. um we thank you so much for sharing your story because we know that can be tremendously hard yes yeah, yeah. i so, would i would a badge of honor, <laughs> you know, I mean, like, I, there's not many people that can tell my story, you know, there's not many people that can tell a story like this. I've, I've stepped over hundreds of women that are no longer here, like literally, yeah. you know, um, just to be able to be on this platform with you sharing my story. Yeah. Right. Well, we are very grateful for that. Um, so in your in your travels, how did you get connected to, you know, the human rights anti-trafficking consultant piece of this? Well, um, my first year of recovery at Central City Concern, I um, was honored and blessed to be asked to become the chairwoman of Little Sisters. And you know, I, I turned it down and turned it down and turned it down because I'm like, yeah, no, you don't want me. No, <laughs> you know, so, you know, and and the people, the previous chairwoman, um, Chris Jones, who founded the organization was like, no, you are it. You know, so I was like, mm-hmm. OK, so <laughs> then I um, I've, I've always had a passion for 
lifting people up, lifting, you know, the other girls that were out on the street or other, you know, addicts or, um, you know, like if somebody needed their rent paid, I'd be, oh, I'll be right back, you know, so, you know, stuff like that. Because because I, I don't want anyone to suffer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd rather... Put my, I'd rather put myself out there than have somebody else put themselves out there, you know. Right. So, um, I don't know. I I began with my certified recovery. Uh, first, I graduated my um, moral recognition therapy class, which taught me how to look at my actions and my addiction through um, the lens of someone else, like at like mm-hmm. third person almost. Um, having to place myself in like my children's shoes or, or my, my family's shoes was life-changing. Sure. Um, taking myself out of victim mode and into this is what I chose or this this is what I allowed or what, what I chose um, rather than why me, you know, mm-hmm. um, things of that nature. Um, granted, I couldn't control everything, but had a lot of it was my choice. You know, a lot of it was I could have gone a different route. So um, the majority of it really was. So um, then I started noticing that people looked to me um, in the recovery community, were looking to me for support and encouragement. And so I thought, well, maybe, maybe I'll be a recovery mentor, you know, maybe I'll, you know, I can help younger women who are, who don't, you know, who don't have all this lived experience, but are still suffering just as much you know, mm-hmm. with the same types of things, you, you would you would be amazed at how many people are actually suffering from the same exact things that I am in mm-hmm. recovery. It's it's mind boggling, really. Yeah. Um, so I got my certified recovery mentor training and then I took it a step further for the peer support specialist because I wanted I wanted to get into the field of helping heal, people heal. Um, I've I see the amount of addiction here in Oregon and it's it's that I mean I, I was raised here my grandmother was born here my my father my kids my grandkids and um the decline has been so severe over the last 50 years it's it's heartbreaking um if there's anything I can do to help one if I mean I'd rather spend 10 years trying to get one addict to recovery than 10 seconds telling a family member that they're no longer here because of an addiction so yeah then the anti-trafficking um I wanted to get some sort of some sort of certification, licensing degree um, to to back up to back up my story. You know what I'm saying? I, if I just walk into a room saying, "Oh yeah, I survived this," you know, just you know, they're you're yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, so I wanted I wanted to have something to say. Hey, look, no, this this shows you that I've I've done the work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That I've done. You know, I've I've got to be able to. Um, I mean, even though my 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 experience can speak for itself. You know, not everybody is is um, that open to peer support or lived experience. You know, it's kind of a new thing. So it really is. It is something too. Like you know, we've been trained to look to scientists and PhDs and you know these like people with master's degrees and different educations and studies and all those things and. Um, I really do think that a lot of the way that we're going to end this is through listening to the stories of those who have lived it, who have survived it, what what actually happened and um, what worked and what didn't. Because, I mean, our lives really are a testament to what worked and what didn't. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> That's, yeah. exactly. That's true. 
You know, if, yeah. if, 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 if we had a Book of Eli day, you know, like like the end of the world was here, I definitely would not, you know, follow the uh, CEO in the $2,000 suit anywhere. <laughs> you know, I would follow, you know, the guy that looks like he hasn't bathed in a month, you know, and hasn't, hasn't sh- you know what I'm saying? I would survive. I, I would follow the person that looks and, and sounds like they could survive out here, you know, so. Right. Yeah. Yes. It sounds like you're... Here. I'm huh? oh, sorry. I was going to say, it sounds like you're a natural leader mm-hmm. that people look to you and look up to you. <laughs> a lot of people say that. A lot of, a lot of people say that. I don't, yeah. I don't personally see myself as being that much of a leader, but I, but I'm definitely an activist. I definitely have a voice. Um, and I, and I will be heard. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like yeah. you don't have to listen, but you are going to hear me. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, <laughs> And, and I'm very, very much about empowering um, women and, and youth and um, any anyone who is um, suffering from, you know, domestic violence and um, things of that nature. It's 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 a topic that nobody really likes to talk about out in public, but it's so rampant. And 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 that's why. I mean, if you if you think about it, our our nation was kind of founded on human trafficking. You know, it's kind of kind of how we got here you know so you know and and people don't like that either but the facts are the facts you know so um i i am all about having those tough conversations you know Mm -hmm. uh, because they need to be had if we want to see change if we want to see growth if we want our future our future children to have a better world to live in we have to have those conversations period very true hey zoni here hope you're enjoying today's episode just wanted to drop in and talk to you about our partnership program that is launching with Bring Freedom February 15, 2023. We are going to be walking you through exactly how to have a personalized response for your community to um, trafficking, to exploitation, uh, to people presenting even with you know, domestic violence or, or abuse, because we want you to have a powerful response with the support that you need in order to make the best change and to have the safest community that you can possibly live in. The way that we're going to do that is that we have several tiers, including uh, individual or family tier, a small business or a small nonprofit or a large business or a large nonprofit in order to help work with you, to equip you, to get the training that you need to understand what your response should be in your community, what things are already there and active, and how can you tap into those things, but fundamentally to not let anybody fall through the cracks. What we're able to offer through the partnership program is hands-on monthly trainings. We'll be able to walk you through the bonus material from our podcast, including um, the question and answer content with our persons with lived experience that will be available to you twice a month. We will also have uh, our office hours where you'll be able to come right in and ask Dixie and I questions and we'll have other experts on there as well so that you can get the answers and the connections that you need for your community and we can help you troubleshoot anything that you're not finding. 
you will also have all of the recordings from our All for One Challenge that will be available to you uh, as a free bonus if you sign up now before our launch February 15th as you're a part of the development of further materials for prevention and awareness and the very best way to get this information out so that we have the safest communities possible. Go ahead and visit us at bringfreedom.org in order to find out more. Yes. So I am curious, uh, can you tell us just a little bit more about the Little Sisters Foundation? Sure. Little Sisters Foundation was founded about 35 years ago by a woman named Chris Jones and her board of directors. They uh, were working in Nepal. Uh, They found um, a huge demand for children in the sex um, slavery industry. Mm -hmm. They decided to fight that battle by... um, purchasing a home where they or houses where they could educate and house and provide uh, basic needs for the children that they would rescue. And in order to rescue these children, they would actually literally have to purchase them from the families that were selling them. I mean, like as little as, you know, infancy. Um, and they would house them and educate them and give them a, white, a life worth living. They also had to rescue several from um, houses, you know, um, trafficking houses. Uh, many of them um, weren't able to survive long because of the um, sexually transmitted diseases, AIDS, things of that nature, um, the torture, the abuse. Um, mm-hmm. So... That went on for, for, for many, many years. And then they branched out here. They saw the knee growing in the United States and um, branched out here to the United States. And um, the board of directors got, you know, kind of aged out, you know, but, you know, 35 years of doing this work. And then um, I guess for the last year or so, uh, we're searching for the a candidate to take over. And um, I just happened to be the one they picked. So I, I feel very humbled and very, um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I can actually fill those shoes because those are some huge shoes, but, but, uh, I know that I can try. I, I know, I know the signs and I, and I know, you know, a lot of what to look for and I know, you know, and it's, it's something that's, that's gone on for so long. Um, predators are overly comfortable here in the United States. Um, to the degree where they're just like they're just like hiding in plain sight, you know, and it's and it's really sad. But with with internet being the way it is now, it's um it's it's just getting worse. The 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 demand is huge. If you figure eight million children a year come up missing in the in in the world, eight million children. Imagine the demand. You know, it's it's just like any other commodity. If there's no demand, there will be no supply. So, um. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's scary. <laughs> it's scary to think about. It is. One, well, it's interesting to me too. Like I, I think like we, we still get asked consistently, like does human trafficking even exist? And does human trafficking actually exist in America? Like we, Absolutely. we get those comments on some of our videos and, and some of the different things that we've kind of put out there. But the fact that they were, they were doing this amazing work in Nepal and realized how much of a problem 
it was equally as bad here in the United States. I think that speaks very strongly to um, just the amount of work that needs to be done here at home. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think the last research I did upwards of just under a million children come reported missing in the United States alone every year, every single year. You don't hear about that on the news. You know, you don't, you might hear about some, but you sure don't hear about a million, you know. Right. Uh, I'd say there were um, over 200,000 that were teen females between 12 and 18. Um, 170,000 and some that were um, teen males between tw- uh, 12 and 18. 40% of those sh- um, children are murdered before they were ever found, if they're ever found. That's huge. That's way, that's huge. Um, yeah. Why do you think the predators are so comfortable here? Because it's been a secret for too long. Secrets yeah. kill. It's, been, it's something that, you know, those types of behaviors are something that have been going on for centuries and centuries here in the United States. And, you know, up until, you know, say the last hundred years, you know, everybody, you know, kind of just treated it as, oh, that's just the way it is, you know, like, like rule of thumb. That's, you know, that was just the way it was, you know, so. Um, and I think that it's a very learned behavior. I think. Um, in fact, I know that, I mean, I have actually seen an older gentleman teaching younger, say, early 20s men how to rape because I was the victim. Um, I, I got jumped by three 20-year-olds um, in a hotel room once in Phoenix, Arizona. And as I'm hanging halfway out the, the hotel room window screaming, um, trying to fight them off there's an, an older man in a truck kind of just like laughing and, and watching the whole thing go down so i mean he was teaching them how to break you know so it's crazy um, it is you know it is it's it's sickening really um right. and you know um there's there's a lot of factors that um allow them, you know, because, you know, when, when it happens in a family, nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants anyone else to know about it. Um, the children are told not to talk about it, which compounds the problem. It compounds the trauma. Um, and, mm-hmm. and it, it keeps the secret hidden. I mean, like, like literally when I was in grade school, if there were four to five pre- predators within two blocks of my house, that's a huge ratio. Huge, you know? So, um, and those things, those those behaviors are passed down, just like every other behavior. When when we're children, we learn from our environments how to behave and how to act and how to do things. You know, we pick up things along the way, yes, but within the first six years, everything we absorb comes back out into the world. So, yeah, yeah, I hope that answered your question. <laughs> yeah, so, I think so. I mean, I'm it's hard to. to I, I tend to go on and on and on. So. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, I, th- I think it's it's one of those things where it's like we almost have to like pause and take it in because I feel like, you know, we hear these stories, but it really does look at like, what do we need to do so that um, change can happen? And, and what does that look like? And I think the first thing is almost coming out of shock. You know, we now are getting stories out there and real life stories and not 
sensationalized Hollywood versions of, you know, that almost romanticize the uh, trafficking relationship that almost romanticizes um, the lifestyle that is and in and surrounding human trafficking Um, and and stuff like that. So it's, it's almost like as Americans, we're just now starting to come out of shock. Mm-hmm. You know, there there aren't even enough of us that are angry yet, I guess, too. Well, but, you know, there's a, there's a whole lot, you know, a, a ridiculous amount of people out there that say, oh, you know, well, it's not my, ch- it's not my problem. It's not my children. It's not my house. It's not my neighborhood. It's not, you know, but there's three positions in it. it I think there's three positions in, in society. You can either be part of the solution, part of the problem or part of the scenery. You're either watching it happen. You're, you're part of what's happening or ignoring what's happening. Or you are doing something about it, you know. So mm-hmm. um, there's too many people think that think that oh it'll never happen to my kids, it'll never happen. You know, I'm sure my parents thought that. <laughs> you know? So you know, I I really wish I look looking back, I really wish I would have said something. You know, I really mm-hmm. wish I would have. Um, you know, but then my father might have gone to prison. I brought I might have you know who knows you know. Um, but everything happens for a reason. Um, I didn't make it here because of my own strength and will, that's for sure. <laughs> so, um, and I know that there's plenty of people out there that are sitting in the same position, don't know what to do, don't know where to go. I would have never come to recovery. I would have never, if I had, if I didn't know where to look, I would have never looked. Right. Um, I would have never looked. So if I didn't know that there was a life other than, you know, giving my body to somebody for whatever I needed, you know, to meet my, my basic needs and mine and my children's, I would have never stopped. I would have never stopped. Yeah. Right. I wouldn't have been able to stop. (laughs) So. Sure. Mm -hmm. So, um, are your, I, I mean, I'm just curious, are your children aware of your history or do they just know you as super protective? (laughs) No, they, they are aware. Okay. Yeah, they're all adults now. They're all, you know, some of them saw me um, suffering, you know what I'm saying? But I mean, what do they, what can they do? You know what I'm saying? Um, I had enough family here that was um, able and willing to protect them from me, Mm -hmm. uh, who was able to um, provide for them what I I couldn't. I mean, like like they say, it takes a village to raise one child. And, you know, I'm I'm really grateful that I had a a village. (laughs) You know, I mean, I had, had people that not only prayed me through, but but um, were willing to um, to not let the damage I was that I was unknowingly causing everyone and myself. Um, they were able to pick up where I left off. They were able to. Um, my youngest daughter graduated Oregon State University with a a degree in um, um, biochemical engineering. Um, my oldest daughter is off the old block you know so um there's a definite timeline between my oldest and my youngest um where now that i have clarity and hindsight um i can see right where i was in my life in my addiction and in my trauma um and my bad choices with with each and every one of them i can see a a timeline it's like okay that's yeah all right Mm -hmm. i know where she got that from i know where he got that from so Sure. Um, they have they, they have a lot to be angry for, you know, and I have a lot to be grateful for. So, <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Well, hopefully you're meeting in the middle and you have healthy relationships with each one like through it. Well, they say they're proud of me now. So, okay. you know, that's, that's for me, that's huge because um, for many years I was I was a nobody. I was um, the child that was never born, <laughs> you know, the you know, the yeah, it, it feels good to know that um, that my future, my future is not defined by my past. Right. Absolutely. I can definitely attest to that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and it it is interesting. Like I remember when when I was younger and I was helping with like siblings and things like that. Um, really, truly believing that I was able to make choices that would completely insulate them from what had happened. And um, like that belief was so strong. But at the same time, like you can still see ways that it affected them. Yeah. And um, some of those things are good and some of those things are not so good. Yeah. Um, but it's crazy how well our brains almost protect us from, <laughs> you know, like uh, how bad it, it could be, mm -hmm. if, if that makes any sense. Yeah. But so um, we are so grateful that you were willing to come on and that you were willing to share. Um, so, so how would we get connected with you? What, what are the ways that we can support uh, these amazing missions and these big shoes that you have to fill? <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, there, I have a website. It's um, little-sisters.org. Okay. Um, there is a GoFundMe set up um i'm actually in the in the process of trying to find the grant writers um and learning how to write grants is very very difficult mm. <laughs> so um you know i'm just kind of winging it so um uh we also have um a a, a cash app um account it's uh little sisters inc 2022 um, there's also a Facebook page, Little Sisters um, Foundation on Facebook, and um, you can always um, find me, um, Lisa Drennan, on Facebook, Lisa M. Drennan, and um, I think of anything else. I'm also on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. I believe that's where we actually connected. Yes. And um, yeah, so. Awesome. I think that's it. Great. Good. <laughs> Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story today. Um, thank it's you. really valuable. <laughs> yes. Thank you very much. I appreciate you. We are so excited for you to save the date for March 30th, 31st, and April 1st. No, this is not an April Fool's joke, but we have our very next free training that will be scheduled during that time where we'll be bringing you the latest and best practices from experts in the field that will really help you have things you can implement in your own life to be a safe person, to make your community a safer place, and for you to have a response to fight human trafficking so that we together can end this in our lifetime. So make sure you save the dates, March 30th, 31st, and April 1st, for our next free training. 
Thank you for joining us for the Persons with Lived Experience podcast today. I hope you're enjoying season two of these inspiring stories for unprecedented times. Please share this episode with your community so that we can make more ripples to create waves of change. Thank you.